I've tried everything, dude, yeah. to make money online. And I promise you, you know this as well as I do, but for your audience, there is a direct correlation between the amount of people you help and the impact you have on their lives and the money that you make. That sounds like a tweetable, man. Yeah, yeah. Hey, this is Shayna Jocelyn Sams from FlipLifestyle.com. And you are listening to our friend Ash Roy at ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I've got another two-part series for you today, and this one is on creating leveraged income businesses through online courses. You'll learn all about how to take a transactional business and convert it into a leveraged income business by essentially delivering information as a product, as an information product through an online course. In this first part, I speak with our special guest about how he built his business, Rockstar Empires and WP Elevation, and how he moved from a consulting-based time-for-money model to a leveraged income model. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, you will most likely enjoy episode two with James Ramco, where we talk about similar stuff. We talk about recurring income models. Episode 63 with Shane and Jocelyn Sams, who were featured on Forbes for building an extremely successful recurring income business. Episode number 43 with Robbie Baxter, the author of The Membership Economy, who speaks very eloquently about memberships. And episode number 54 with Mac Fogelson, who talks about community building. Now, this episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high-value customers. Book a call with me on callashroy.com to discuss how we can get started. Now, on to part one of this two-part series. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll talk to you again soon. Our guest today loves marketing and entrepreneurship. He specializes in helping WordPress freelancers build enjoyable, sustainable, and profitable businesses. He's a co-founder of WP Elevation, the world's first business accelerator program designed specifically for WordPress consultants. He's also the founder of Rockstar Empires, and they teach creative entrepreneurs how to escape the time for money treadmill through selling online courses. He speaks at conferences, he presents at events, speaks on webinars, he coaches clients, delivers workshops. In fact, I first met Troy Dean when he spoke at an event. I was really impressed with his talk at Greg Kassar's event a couple of years ago. And to add to that, as if that's not enough, he also is a professional singer and a pretty awesome guitarist. I've actually seen him play on some Facebook videos and I'm a wannabe guitarist myself. So welcome Troy Dean of TroyDean.com. Hey, thank you. Uh, thanks, Ash. It's quite a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> Just, I need to come up with a brief intro that tells people what I do, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's awesome to have you here, dude. And, and I've listened to some of your blue stuff, man, and I really enjoyed it. All right. So another URL you might want to check out, by the way, that Troy Dean is the founder of is rockstarempires.com. And that's actually what we're going to be talking quite a bit about today. So Rockstar Empires, as I said before, helps creative entrepreneurs to create leveraged income through online courses. So, you know, get away from the time for money treadmill into leveraged income. So Troy, why don't you talk to us a bit about that? 
Yeah, sure. So uh, it's a good question. We just uh, perhaps a bit of backstory. We I had a, a web agency. Um, we then I realised that there was kind of a cap and a ceiling on what you can do doing client services um, in terms of the impact that you can have, the clients you can help, and the revenue that you can make. And so what I did is I started teaching other web freelancers how to do what I was doing in my business, mm-hmm. and it exploded. Uh, it it really took off from a list point of view, um, you know, building our list uh, and then, you know, turning our information into a product that we could sell. And so then what happened is I was speaking at conferences, like you mentioned, uh, at all sorts of different conferences around the place. And generally at these conferences, as you know, you sit up the back at a speaker's table and you're kind of chatting to the other speakers. And I would invariably have my laptop open and I'd have our members website open and people would be leaning over my shoulder saying, what's that? What are you doing in there? And I'd start explaining the story and then people started asking me, uh, how do you do that? How have you gone from, you know, client services to a hundred percent leveraged income? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started having this conversation up the back of conference rooms to other speakers. And then I thought maybe I should start presenting this as a talk. Mm-hmm. And I started just seeding out some ideas on social media and through our email list and got a great response and people just really warmed the idea because I think everyone knows that at some point you're going to hit a ceiling doing client work and you either need to scale, employ lots of staff so you can take on more clients or you need to somehow double down, become a specialist so you can put your fees up or you just constantly on that treadmill of, of, you know, selling time for money. So the whole idea of building some kind of leveraged income is really appealing. And I'd spent quite a bit of time trying to help business owners build what I was calling recurring revenue. And the problem with recurring revenue is that every business is different. So I'll give you an example. I had a landscape gardener, an accountant, and a lawyer at one of my conferences, one of my workshops. (laughs) I'm like, you know, I can teach all of you guys and help all of you guys build recurring revenue, but it means I'm going to have to spend some time with you in your business one-on-one. And that puts me back into the world of a consultant, which I don't want to do. So after those conferences, I thought, What I can do is I can teach people how to build leveraged income Mm -hmm. through taking the knowledge out of their head and turning it into a course. Mm -hmm. So the the short version, if there is one, is there are two audiences that you can teach. If if you if you're a creative service provider, so let's say for example you're a consultant on productivity, which is what you do. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of the things that you do, you can teach people, you can, you know, the time for money model has you going into a business and working with the business one-on-one and doing consulting work and helping them set up frameworks and helping them form new habits and helping them with some change management and then getting them more productive, right? Well, the, you can package that information up into a course and teach what I call the DIY crowd. Yep. So that is the crowd that want to know how you do what you do, but they don't, they can't afford to hire you or they live in a remote location or they live overseas, but they really want Ash Roy to consult with them, but they can't access you. Yep. So they can buy your course online and they're called the DIY crowd. Mm-hmm. The other crowd that you can teach are what I call your peers. So you could teach other productivity consultants how to run a business as a productivity consultant. And that's kind of my sweet spot. That's kind of what I do. I teach web freelancers how to run a business as a web freelancer. Uh, and in that, and that's a very popular thing at the moment is is teaching. Uh, if you've got a successful business, teaching others how to do it. So there are, you know, there are psychologists teaching other psychologists how to run a practice. There are architects teaching architects how to run an architecture firm. There are, you know, consultants teaching consultants how to run a consulting firm. Accountants teaching other accountants how to run an accounting practice. So I have to uh, confess to being an accountant. I'm a CPA. So does that mean I can teach other CPAs how to build a business and leverage the online channel? Hundred percent. Yep. So definitely. Courses around that. Okay. That's great. Correct. That's that's really well explained, Troy. That really gives gives me a clear idea as to how a person can 
benefit from courses. So that's the, so you've got the DIY crowd and you've got the teaching your peers crowd. Correct. All right. So that's how you help businesses move from a more transactional based consultative model into a more leverage income model. So here's a question for you, Troy. Do you believe that the online courses and this leveraged income process or model applies to most businesses? Are there any businesses where you think that the online course model wouldn't work well? Sure. Great question. Um, I think it does apply to most business models. And so, for example, let's look at um, retail is the obvious one where you say, okay, well, how does this apply to retail? Mm -hmm. If you've got a successful retail business, and and I'm actually working with a service provider at the moment who's a bricks and mortar business, but not selling products, selling a service, and he wants to franchise his business. So the obvious thing here is instead of developing an operations manual, which you would do as part of a franchising operation anyway, what you would do then is develop a course which teaches your franchisees how to set up your type of business. So if you've got a successful retail business and you want to expand and you want to franchise or you want to license your systems and your processes out, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe form a buying group so that you can buy in bulk and have people adopt, have other franchisees adopt your framework and your processes to run that successful business, then you could package your information up into into an interactive course that they can do as part of their franchising agreement. Mm-hmm. Where, so I think this works in most business models. And if you just look at teaching your peers how to run your kind of business, that's really the the um, that's the safety net there. Like if you think of any business model, you can teach other people how to run, how to build this type of business. Where it doesn't work, I think, and I haven't seen it work yet, is if you're in a business model that is dying. So for example, right. And I mean this with all due respect, but if you're a taxi driver right now, mm-hmm. I think you're in strife. I think you need to be um, upskilling. You need to yeah. be getting into the ride sharing um, uh, economy or you need to be upskilling because I think, you know, in three, four, five years time, taxi drivers will be out of a job unless they're, you know, working for ride sharing mm-hmm. or unless they have up their game and are providing an amazing service like a town car chauffeur or something like that. Now, having said that, if you're a successful operator of – uh, a fleet of town cars, and I know a couple based in Sydney and Melbourne. Um, you could potentially license because you've had you've had to solve a whole bunch of problems to run a successful fleet of town cars or chauffeur driven cars. You could potentially license that, package that up into some information that you could license to someone else, another entrepreneur who wants to build a fleet of town cars, employ drivers. You know, what's your criteria for finding drivers? How do you hire them? What's the process you go through there? Um, what's the process for customer service? How do you greet customers? All that kind of stuff you could package up into a course. Mm-hmm. But if your business model is is dying, you know, if you're the owner of a video store right now, I maybe <laughs> I maybe wouldn't be making an online course. I'd be I'd be looking for a course to take to upskill and get into a different business. By the way, I'll tell you what, man, I don't think taxi drivers are the only ones that are at the risk of extinction. Accountants are now also <laughs> <laughs> looking down the looking down the barrel. So I think that this is probably, you know, heading into a different discussion. Maybe we can talk about sure. this in another episode. But sure. mate, the stuff that is happening in terms of disruptive technology, I mean, we don't even know what yeah. jobs are going to exist in 10 years' time. And more right. importantly, we don't know what jobs are going to disappear in 10 years' time. So That's right. I think the name of the game here is really getting to understand what's happening in the world, seeing trends, and getting comfortable with creating 
information products online, I do believe the information economy is just exploding. Uh, this is where, you know, Seth Godin, really, he talks a lot about the connection economy. Mm. And speaking of Seth Godin, mate, you got to tell us, how did you manage to get Seth Godin as a guest on your podcast? Because that was quite an accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good question. Um, um, uh, you know, I had reached out to Seth a few times. I'd uh, written a couple of blog posts way back when I had an agency that Seth had commented on because I mentioned him in the blog post. Um, and I'd reached out to him a couple of times just to th- – so rule number one, put – you know, uh, if you want to reach out and connect with someone, don't ask for something straight off the bat because it's just – a bit rude and, Gift you know, you be, yeah, right. So I just reached out to him and thanked him. You know, yes. I mean, I've read every one of Seth's books. He's had a huge impact on my life. He, like, literally, I cannot tell you how much the book Lynchpin changed my life and changed right. my mindset. So I had a genuine reason to reach out to Seth and thank him because he's had a huge impact on my right. life. So I was on his radar. I knew he kind of knew who I was, you know, amongst the millions of other names that would be in his box. Anyway, I, I'd reached out to him and asked him point blank to be on my podcast once before, and he'd politely declined. Mm-hmm. And then I heard him on the growth show. And I'd actually heard through a, a friend of a friend who had also tried to get him on a podcast that, and whether this is true or not, I don't know, but I'd heard a rumor that Seth doesn't like podcasters building. He said, I don't want to be like used as a way for a podcaster to build up their profile. Like I'm not, I'm not a magnet to bring an audience and help someone else build up their profile unless they're adding something valuable to the conversation. Mm-hmm. So when I heard Seth on the growth show, the HubSpot podcast, I reached out to him and I said, First of all, thank you for everything you do. You continue to inspire. I just listened to your episode on the HubSpot. It was awesome as usual. Um, yes, I know you know who I am. Yes, I have a podcast. Uh, I've just interviewed Joe, uh, Joe Polizzi and Guy Kawasaki. Yes, I'm. this is verbatim my email. Uh, yes, I'm dropping names to try and impress you. Um, uh, yes, I would love Hello. to have you on my podcast, but I don't want to interview you. Yeah. I want you to roll up your sleeves, get on my podcast and do some work by helping one of our members with some very specific problems she's got in her business. Okay. And I, you know, hovered over the send button for a little while and got a bit <laughs> nervous and then went, what have I got to lose? Sent the email and within like half an hour, he came back and, and said, um, I'm in as long as I'm not used as a prize or it's any kind of shark tank style competition thing, then yeah. I'm in. And I went back to him and I said, no way, there's no competition, there's not Shark Tank, this is, I have one very specific member in mind who I want to yeah. jump on and do a call. And we did, and it was fantastic. It was I've like, seen that, that was Christina Romero, wasn't it? That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was mind-blowing, you know. And Yeah, I've watched it, it was great. Yeah. And, you know, this, the other thing I want to say is that when you do reach out to an influencer, I do think you need to genuinely believe what you're saying in terms of the compliment, because I've had some people reach out to me and say, oh, I love your podcast, you know, I listen to a whole bunch of episodes, and I go back, oh, great, that's awesome, you know, which ones did you enjoy? <laughs> <laughs> And what did you like about them? And then I don't yeah. hear back. And yeah, that's right. Th- that kind of if you if you really d- do enjoy it, absolutely reach out and tell them. We love to yeah. hear about it. But you know, there's no point reaching out and saying something and then not really meaning it because it comes out in the end, and it's just awkward for everyone. So, so I, here's an interesting thing, Ash, which kind of loops back to the conversation we had before about the taxi driver business model, right? That I someone taught me once about influencer outreach, and the model is: first of all, you thank them, yep. then you be specific with yep. what you thank them for, then you show how you and them align in some kind of way. Maybe you've got yep. the same audience or the same values or the same opinions. Mm-hmm. Then you tell them exactly what you want them to do. You make it really easy for them to say yes, and yes. you give them an out. 
So I I always sign off by saying, totally cool to tell me to nick off. I give them it outright. But here's the thing. You don't have to follow that formula if you are being authentic. Mm. Because if I listen to one of your podcasts Mm -hmm. and say I listen to the one with you and James Shramko Mm -hmm. and I said, and I absolutely blew my mind, I would email you and James and go, hey, guys, just listen to the podcast episode and it was freaking awesome i love it when you said blah 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 blah. i would just do that because i'm being authentic yeah right so what what i guess frustrates me a lot with the whole influencer outreach model is don't follow some kind of template to reach out to influencers and think that you can fudge authenticity because people will smell it a mile off right yeah yeah. this is looping back to what you're saying about the tax industry i think there's one thing that will never die there's one business model there's one part of business that will never die and that is the trust between two human beings who have got a good working relationship and if you're a taxi driver right now or you're a video store right now and you are not working your butt off to form great relationships with your customers so that they know, like, and trust you, then you're dead and buried. And it doesn't matter what business you're in. Mm. That should be the only thing that you focus on is building relationships with your customers so that they trust you and they know that they're getting good value with their with their transaction and their investment in you. I like that. And, you know, I really like what Bob Berg said when I interviewed him earlier on. He said, you know, it's about value exchange, right? So he talks about the go-giver principle, which is a really cool uh, little term, by the way. But yeah. It's about giving value before expecting to get value. And mm. if you do enjoy something, reach out to someone and say so, but, you know, make sure it's there is authenticity to it, as you said. Yeah. So let's, let's come back to our conversation about leveraged business models. So, sure. you know, what a, could, could you share with us a little case study or some kind of experience you've had with a client or within your own business where you've been able to really transform it from being a transaction-based business into a leveraged business and importantly how can you share with us how much you've reduced your or your clients direct involvement with the business in the process because that's the key right that's the dream we all want to be able to yeah get that's that's the idea of leverage work less but still get the same outcome yeah so let me, I mean, the best way to do this is probably to share my own story because I know the details intricately. Sure. Uh, and if I share anyone else's story, I'll probably be painting with a broad brushstroke. And I don't want to do that with your audience. I want to give them the, the, the you know, the, I want to give them the juice and the, really the kind of the meat on the sandwich. Thank you. So I had, a, I had a web design agency. We were doing pretty well. We were a six-figure web design agency. We were profitable. We were doing pretty well. And I was, I was you know, frustrated and stressed out. And, you know, I'd wake up every morning and have to find, you know, 35 every month and have to find 35 or 40 grand just to keep the lights on and keep the rent paid and keep, you know, handle the staff employed. And it was pretty stressful. And I I wasn't really enjoying it. I was in business with the wrong business partner, which was no, which was no one's fault. It was just a bad alignment, bad partnership. And I had this little plugin, WordPress plugin on the side that we were selling. We were doing about 120 grand a year on this WordPress plugin, which was not enough to sustain anyone. But um, it didn't require any work, really. I mean, we we would look at it maybe two or three hours a week on a Tuesday morning on a Skype call and go, "Wow, what's going on here?" Yeah, we'd pretend that we knew what we were doing, and you know, and then we'd you know say goodbye to each other, and and then we'd meet up in a week's time and have a look at the numbers again and <laughs> not really do anything. And I said, uh, I had a mentor, Ed Dale, who oh yes. Uh, he's yeah. been on the show too, by the way. Yeah, he's fantastic. I, I tracked Ed down and I, I pinned him to the wall and, and threw money at him and said, you have to mentor me. <laughs> and um, and uh, literally I did. And um, he said to me, he said, you know, the problem is, he said, you're half pregnant in two businesses at the moment and you need to decide 
you know, who you want to have a baby with, basically. Yeah. And so I decided then and there to build the WordPress business because that's where I had the audience and that's where I was having the most fun. So fast That must have been scary though, Troy. It uh, was massively scary, man. Yeah. Um, I, my my fiancé, who's my wife now, she was at university at the time. We were a single-income family. We'd just taken out a mortgage to buy an apartment. Um, you know, and I was – and I literally that month that we moved into – so I we took out the mortgage. We I shut down the agency in August. We bought the place in September, moved in in November. My wife was at university doing her master's, yeah. and I literally – I had no income. I was like, <laughs> what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> and – so then I focused on building and leveraged income for me is that you make something once and you sell it multiple times. It's right. it's basically taking a service and turning it into a product, yeah. which we'd done a little bit with the WordPress plugin. And so now fast forward, um, uh, we launched WP Elevation, which is the business training program for WordPress consultants in June 2013. Fast forward to where we are now. Uh, 2016 financial year, we are now a seven-figure-a-year business. And we have a team of – there is myself, my business partner, a full-timer here in Melbourne. We have uh, two full-time staff in the Philippines, one in Malaysia. We have part-time coaches in the UK, the US, Sydney, and we have an assistant, an American girl who lives in Sweden who does a lot of admin and content stuff for us. So we're a team of 10. Um, And that business – I literally, I mean, I just went to the States for four weeks and pretty much didn't work. And that business, I could literally look at maybe three or four hours a week and it would continue to do what it's doing. Now, I'm a little bit hungrier than that. I want to grow. So I'm spending more time in the business. But the truth is I don't need to spend a lot of time in that business. In fact, I'm now spending, you know, a lot of my time building rock star empires. So I'm probably split 50-50 between the two. So the point of the story is, that information, that that knowledge that I had, I packaged up into a course. Mm-hmm. I, I put it up online. We got feedback from customers. We improved it. We iterated. We made a great student experience, and we made it once. And now we sell it over and over again. Mm. We open that course three times a year um, to students. We open it for a week at a time, three times a year. And every time we open it, we enroll somewhere between 170 and 220 students into that course. And, uh, you know, that's a massive influx of cash into the business. Mm. And um, and then we, you know, spend the rest of the year trying to spend that money. <laughs> <laughs> right. So how is that course delivered, Troy? Is it done through webinars and what's the format? So we built, we have adopted a learning management system that um, is is a WordPress learning management system. It's called Learn Dash, mm. uh, which is a great learning management system for WordPress. So it's delivered. And this is one of the things that we've learned because the problem with online courses is that most people who sell an online course get uh, online courses get completion rates of somewhere between 2 and 10%. That's it was nuts. a massive I know it's crazy. <laughs> but think about it man. Like what happens is someone enrolls in a course, they might spend anywhere between 500 and 2000 dollars in ro- enrolling in an online course. Mm. They get halfway and module 1 everyone's in the honeymoon period, right? So yes. module 1 week 1 everyone's having a great time and there's yeah. lots of conversation in the Facebook group. By halfway through module 2 they realize that this course is not going to answer all of their prayers and they actually have to roll their sleeves up and do some work. (laughs) And then what happens is a week later, a new course gets launched. Mm. So they disengage, they go by the new course thinking that that's going to solve all their problems. And by week four, and I've been in every online course just about sold online, by week four, you're in the forums of this course that you've bought and there's tumbleweeds. There's no one left in there. They've all disengaged because they realize they're going to have to do some work, which is really unfortunate. So – we 
deliver our course in a way. By the way, our courses are getting 65% plus student completion rates. Wow. Yeah. Dude, we need to talk more afterwards because I'm going to launch a course soon. So. Yeah, man, I'm happy to, happy to talk. We are, we, and in fact, this is now what we're teaching at Rockstar Empires. We're teaching how we do that. We have spent so much time and energy on the student experience mm. and we use a whole bunch of things. We use gamification. We use badges, rewards. Nice community certificates, um, some really ninja email tagging and automation stuff for, for reminders and follow-ups. And my metric now, and it's really funny, it's a mindset shift. My metric now is I actually don't care. Making money is nice from selling online courses. I actually don't care about that as much as I care about actually impacting my students and changing their lives. And I know that if they complete our course, their life will be better and their business will be better. If they don't complete the course, it's a waste of everyone's time. Yep. So my number one goal now is to get my students to complete the course. Yes. And I'll work my butt off to make that happen. So the short answer to your question is uh, we deliver our course in very short, sharp, punchy lessons. The biggest mistake people make, I'll give you this value bomb right here. The biggest yep. mistake people make when they sell an online course is they make a lesson about something they know and it's a 45-minute lesson with the okay. keynote presentation and they're going on and on and on about all this cool stuff people they know. kill themselves. So right. what's a good length of a lesson? Yeah, between five and 10 minutes, no more than 10 minutes. In fact, if right. we have a lesson that's longer than 10 minutes, we break it into two. Okay. Um, so we have uh, short, sharp, punchy lessons, uh, somewhere between five and 10 minutes. And the key is that each lesson should be about one specific thing mm. and have and have an outcome. Each lesson, you should know what a successful student looks like after every single lesson. Right. So yeah, I think that interactivity is so important. I'm actually preparing for a talk I'm giving at Macquarie Bank on Friday. And one of the things I discovered as I was preparing the slides was no one wants to listen to me just stand there and ramble on. So after every concept, I have a little exercise for them to do, and they're going to actually get handouts at the talk. And yeah. That way you increase engagement. Yeah. Another point I really want to make is, you know, I really like what you're saying about completion rates, and I associated that in a business sense with retention rates, right? It costs uh -huh. about five to nine times, depending on what you read, five to nine uh -huh. times as much to acquire a new customer as it does to yep. keep your existing ones. Correct. And the, the problem from, the, from what you've just described, the problem to be solved here with online courses, the key problem is stopping people to, from going from honeymoon one to honeymoon mm -hmm. two to honeymoon three with, with that, mm -hmm. you know, the honeymoon period you talked about at the, when you first enroll on a course, but yeah. somehow, and I think gamification is a great tool, somehow use gamification and whatever else you can to mm -hmm. get them to the end. And if you're getting 60% mm. completion rate, man, that mm. is going to really transform your audience's life and the money will come anyway. I mean, we're not, that's right. You know, it's, it's about, as Bob Berg says, right? Value first and then yeah. the, the, the money will follow. Yeah, there, there is, I've learned this after many, 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 many years of trying to make money on the internet and trying everything. Like I used to sell coffee machines on Amazon as an affiliate, for God's sake, right? Yeah. I've tried everything, dude, yeah. to make money online. And I promise you, you know this as well as I do, but for your audience, there is a direct correlation between the amount of people you help and the impact you have on their lives and the money that you make. That sounds like a tweetable, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. You know, there is a direct correlation between the impact you have on people's lives and the money you make. Well, that was the end of our first part of this two-part series. If you want to check out the episode on my website, head over to productiveinsights.com forward slash Troy hyphen Dean. That's spelled T-R-O-Y hyphen D-E-A-N. Part two of this two-part series will be productiveinsights.com forward slash Troy hyphen Dean hyphen two. 
In the next part, we talk about the key challenges that Troy faced around converting his business from a transactional business to a leveraged income business through delivery of online courses, what actions you as a listener can take to build your own leveraged income business, and where to go to get more help. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comments section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?